0: turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of Acts chapter 16 as we make our way back here to the book of Acts, continuing our study through this tremendous book, learning about God's purpose and plan in this world, especially for the proclamation of the gospel. We come now to Acts chapter 16 verses 6 through 12 and I'd like to speak to you for the next few moments about following the call of God. As a follower of Christ, one of the things that we sometimes face is a lack of clarity about the direction of the Lord. Sometimes we're looking at a decision and we have two or three choices, all of which seem equally biblical, and we're trying to figure out what does God want me to do? What would be the right direction to go? Now, it's not quite as bad as this, but the other day I was standing in Home Depot trying to buy light bulbs. There are a lot of light bulbs. I I just wanted a normal one. What were you saying, Marcus? Aisle 42. Marcus Marcus knows right where everything is in Home Depot. It wasn't getting to the aisle. It was when I got to the aisle and I looked at all those light bulbs and I thought, I just want a normal one, but there's all these ones to choose from. I did eventually figure out what I needed and which one was the right fit, and actually there was a particular bulb That was exactly the one that I was looking for. Sometimes when we're looking at decisions that confront us, we feel like that, a wall of choices, and they all seem like they might be the right one. Lord, which way do I go? But understand this, God does have a direction. He does have a will, and he wants us to learn what it means to walk with him or as we sometimes say, to have a real relationship with God. This morning, I'd like to talk to you about following the call of God. Direct your attention to Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia... After they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they passing by Mysia came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia and the colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days." Some thoughts about following the call of God. Of course, we've been following along with the story of the Apostle Paul and how God has brought him to this place. We know that where he's located in the beginning of this passage is an area where he and Barnabas had labored faithfully and successfully in the work of the gospel. There had been souls saved. And Disciples had matured and churches had been established and pastors had been left in those churches and the work of God was continuing on in this region despite the fact that Paul and Barnabas had gone away for a little while. Now Paul has come back. He's brought with him Silas and Timothy has joined the team, as we noted a couple of weeks ago. Timothy is from this region, from this area, and most likely a part of the fruit of Paul's ministry in this region. But now as they come into this place, as we just read in our text, it seems as if God is not wanting them to stay in this place. But that God has something different for them to pursue, which, of course, he does. And we know the rest of the story. But I want you just for a moment to feel the perplexity of the Apostle Paul and the perplexity that you might feel as you think that you're doing the will of God and you think you're in the right place. But time after time, the message that you're getting from the Lord is not here, not now. Somewhere else, stay tuned. And that is an uncomfortable feeling for us as believers when we're attempting to follow the call of God, but it's unclear. Lord, what do you want me to do? So how then should we follow the call of God? I want to give you this morning four practical thoughts about following the call of God. Notice with me, first of all, in our text that if we are to follow the call of God, you and I must be faithful in God's known will. We must be faithful to do the things that God has clearly communicated to us are his will. So many times we're puzzling over what I might refer to as the unknown Or the mysterious will of God, the sense of what is out there in the future, and we're trying to figure out what we ought to do when God has told us some things that we ought to be doing and we are just neglecting those. Don't expect God to show you what is ahead if you're not doing the things that you know you ought to be doing. We need to be faithful in God's known will. In this case, in our text, Paul and his team of laborers were operating on the basis of God's direction for them. They had left from the church in Antioch. They had come into this region where Paul and Barnabas had labored before. It was natural for them to go to the place where they had been before and pick up where they left off. There's nothing wrong with that. At this point, God hadn't given them any other direction So Paul said, well, I know that I'm called to preach. I know that I'm supposed to be preaching the gospel to Gentiles. I know that we encountered many Gentiles in this region before, and I know there's places where we haven't preached yet, so it makes sense for us to go back to the place where we were before to establish those churches and those believers, and then to strike out from there preaching the gospel. Of course, in this pursuit... They had the blessing of the church in Antioch who had sent them and commended them to the hand of the Lord. So they were going with the confidence that they were in God's will. But notice they weren't exactly where God wanted them to be yet, but they were not at this point violating God's will. They were doing the things that they knew they ought to do now. I say this, and it it ought to be obvious to us, but I say this because it's such a common thing for us to say, well, I don't know God's will, so while I'm waiting for him to reveal his will to me, I'll just go ahead and do the things that I want to do. But that's not fitting for us. It's not fitting for us as children of God to pursue our own plans and designs and desires and will. While we're waiting for God to direct us. That's the wrong pursuit. You ought to be doing the things that you know God wants you to do. I, I could give you a whole list of them. But some of them that I think are fitting for us to consider this morning. For instance, you should obey the gospel. It's ironic to me how often unsaved religious people are searching for the will of God. And they say, Pastor, I'm perplexed about what God wants me to do. I can say with absolute clarity, what God wants you to do is obey the gospel. If you're not saved today, if you've never trusted in Christ, if you've never repented of your sin and believed on Jesus Christ, then the clear will of God today is for you to be obedient to the gospel message For you to turn from your sin and grab a hold of Jesus Christ by faith and trust in Him. That is God's will. It's foolish for you to try to figure out God's will for the future when you've not settled the matter of your soul. You're concerned about temporal things when you ought to be concerned about eternal things. This morning there is nothing more important for you than that you ought to make sure of your relationship with God. You ought to obey the gospel. You say, well, what else is clear in the scriptures? Well, the scripture is clear that you should be a faithful member of a New Testament church. God wants you to be a member and he wants you to be plugged in. That means faithful in attendance and service in a New Testament church. And if you're a believer and you know you're saved, but you're not in that place, if you're not being faithful in that then it's going to be difficult for you to figure out God's will because you're neglecting something that God has said is so it's so plain in the scriptures it's so clear that this is what God wants you to do i think also You should be having daily fellowship with God through his word and prayer. This is very clear in the scriptures. God wants you to be faithful in your fellowship with him. It's incredible how often people are seeking to know God's will and wanting to know God's direction for the future. But when you pose the question to them, are you reading your Bible faithfully? Are you spending time in prayer? They say, no, I've not been doing that. Well, then how, pray tell, are you going to know God's will? If you never talked to your wife, how would you know what she wanted at the grocery store? Uh, How would you have any idea what her desires are for something if you never even spoke to her? And in the same way, as a believer, if you never fellowship with God, why would you presume to know God's will? You're not even communicating with him for him to be able to tell you. So these are things that are very clear along with this. You should be pursuing sanctification in your life. It's God's will that you would be sanctified, that you would be living a holy life. This is very clear in the scriptures. And if you're eschewing holiness and and running away from God's principles for your life, then why would you be talking about knowing God's will? You're in disobedience to something that is clear. I think also, you say, well, I want to know God's will. You should be, here's something that's very plain, you should be sharing the gospel with unbelievers who are around you. Wherever you are, whatever your circumstances in life, it's clear in the scriptures, God has called us to be witnesses, he wants us to go with the gospel, and this is an area where we can be investing, and we can be seeking and asking God to give us opportunities, and looking for those opportunities, and then capitalizing on them, and This is part of God's known will. I think it's clear that if you have a family, if you're a husband or a wife or a child, if you are a father or a mother, then God has given you some very clear family responsibilities that you should be fulfilling. These are not mysterious in any way. It's very clear what God wants you to be doing. He's lined it out in the scriptures. He's told you exactly what you ought to be doing. Do you see what I mean when I say there are things that are plain and clear about the will of God? They're not mysterious at all. And sometimes we're worried about the future and where God wants us to go, but we're not doing the basic things that we ought to be doing. So understand this, Before you can follow the call of God, you need to be faithful in God's known will. This is a good place to invest your energy and your time in doing the things that you know to do. In fact, I've heard it said before, and I I think it bears repeating. When you don't know what to do, do the things that you know to do there's a long list of things that you know you ought to do. Maybe you're perplexed about something in your life. You say, I just don't know what to do. Then at least do the things you know to do and trust that God will give direction in the things that you're unsure about. All right, so first of all, be faithful in God's known will. But second of all, we see what happened in this text As you are following the call of God, expect, don't be surprised when God closes some doors. Expect it. Now, I'm going to talk about why this is in just a moment, but look there in verse number 6. It talks about the path that Paul and his team pursued. Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia... And so where it's talking about, if you can picture Asia Minor, the country, what we call Turkey today, this is right in the central part of Asia Minor. And so they were right there in that area. This was an area where the gospel had been preached already. There had been some things that had taken place there already. Then it says they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, and Asia is referring to the larger region that surrounded them when they were here in the central part of Asia Minor. And the Holy Spirit is saying to them, no, this is not where I want you to be. So then notice in verse 7, they came to Mysia. So this is a region up on the northwest side of the country of Turkey today. It's up along the coast there. And so they had come into this area of Mysia, and they assayed, or that means they attempted, they tried to go into Bithynia, which is over towards the east, and it's the region that would border onto the Black Sea today. So they had, Paul had a plan. He thought, well, I'm going to try to go to the north. I'm going to try to go to the west. I'm going to try to go to the east. But what you notice is that time and time again, as they tried to follow the will of God, God said, no. The word assayed that that is used there in our text in verse 7 is kind of interesting. It means to prove something or to put something to the test. So it, it has this idea because of the use of this word, it has the idea that Paul was unsure of exactly where God wanted him to go. So he looked at the possibilities and he said, well, let's try to go here. Let's try to go here. Let's try to go here. And he was trying to find where does God want us to go. Now, all along as they're going in these places, they're preaching the word to anyone who would hear but they needed to know exactly where God wanted them to be. You may have heard it said before, the only call to the ministry that you need is the Great Commission. That's not a true statement. That's not a true statement. Now, all of us should be a part of fulfilling the Great Commission, but that doesn't mean it's left up to you to figure out where and how you want to pursue that. God has a specific direction and will for your life. As we see clearly in this passage, there were some places where the Holy Spirit said, no, not here, not here. Now, why would the Holy Spirit close some doors? And why should we expect the Lord to close some doors? Let me suggest some thoughts to you. First of all, I believe the Lord will close some doors because you and I are finite creatures. We have limitations. Unlike God himself, you and I are limited in time, space, and energy. We don't have the ability to be everywhere at the same time. We don't have unlimited strength or energy to be able to do everything that needs to be done. The truth is, if I were to bring a globe up here and show you a picture, a representation of our world, you would be astounded if you thought for even a moment about the major cities that are contained within that map, about how many billions of souls are represented by those land masses, as people living in those areas. And you say, well, you could just go anywhere and preach the gospel. And that is true. Wherever you go, you'll find people who need to hear the gospel. There's no doubt about that. But we also understand that as finite creatures, God wants us to invest our lives wisely. He wants us. He has a particular purpose and plan for us. And so God wants us to be in a specific place. He wants us at times to be dealing with specific persons that he wants to direct us to. Can God be that particular in his direction? Absolutely he can. We see this borne out in the scriptures time and time again. So sometimes God closes doors because we are finite creatures. I think a second reason that God closes doors is because of the fact that there are seasons in God's harvest. There's also, along with these seasons, there's different responsibilities of laborers within the harvest. Remember this morning that he is the Lord of the harvest. He knows what he's doing. Listen, if you've ever worked on a farm... The farmer knows what needs to be done in what fields. The farmer will say to you, today I want you to go weed over in that area. Today I want you to run the cultivator over there. Today we want to make sure that we spray over in this section. Today we want to be getting ready for harvest over in these fields. He knows exactly what's going on. You might not understand the rhyme or the reason of why the farmer directs the laborers in the way that he does, but he has a purpose. He has an intention. He sees the big picture. In the same way, our God is the Lord of the harvest. He knows what is going on in different parts of the world, in different parts of the harvest. He knows what's going on in people's lives, and he is busy directing us into the places And to the people where he is at work. Now sometimes he may lead us to be involved in some cultivating. Or some watering of the seed. Sometimes he may lead us to be a planter. To to scatter some seed. And and for that to be able to begin working in someone's life. Sometimes he may call us to a place of harvesting. Harvesting. Paul's ministry, if you'll note, is a ministry of mostly harvesting. Paul was coming into places where God knew that the soil was ripe, where there were people that were ready to receive the gospel, and Paul was going to be used greatly of God to bring a tremendous harvest. Not all of us are called to that same pursuit. Now, what's interesting is the area where the Holy Spirit forbid. Paul to preach was an area where there would be much taking place at a later time. But this was not the right time. This was not the focus that God wanted Paul to put his attempts and energy into. God was closing a door. In fact, God closed many doors. Verse 7 says this, but the Spirit suffered them not that means the spirit did not allow them to go into those places this this the spirit closed off those places of ministry sometimes people ask me pastor have you ever felt a burden or a call to some other place do you want to know the truthful answer every place i've ever been Every place I've ever been, I've been moved with a sense of the need in that place. I've thought, Lord, if if you wanted, I would be willing to go here and labor. But now, I can't be everywhere. I can't be all over the world at the same time. I don't have a private jet to go back and forth between places. I've got to be in a specific place. So I know this clearly. This is where God wants me right now. This is the ministry that God has for me at this moment. I know that. But that means I can't be everywhere else at the same time. You see, the Holy Spirit was directing Paul and he is capable of closing those doors. You might ask, how did he close those doors? The text does not tell us how he closed those doors. Some surmise that perhaps those doors were closed through some difficulty or some trials. This is not to suggest that anytime we run into difficulty or trials, it's God's will for us to move. But it is to suggest that sometimes we can encounter significant difficulties which make it impossible to continue laboring in that place for that time. We could take that as God closing a door. We don't know exactly how God closed those doors. We do know that the Spirit did not allow them to go to the places that they were hoping to go and preach the gospel. In other words, if I could put it this way, the Holy Spirit is capable of making his will known. You will know. You won't be confused about it. You will know. There was no confusion at this point about the fact that they were not supposed to be in these places. The only thing that was causing confusion was, if not here, then where? We don't know exactly where yet, Lord, but the Lord would clear that up soon enough. Now, you and I will sometimes go through testing and difficulty in our lives, and God can use that testing and that difficulty to clarify his purpose and his direction for us. Now, notice verse 9. So there are some doors that are closed. They're, They're attempting, they're doing the things that God wants them to do, and God is closing doors, seemingly, every time they attempt to go, okay, let's go this way. Nope. Let's go this way. Nope. Let's go this way. Nope. Okay, Lord, what do you want? Verse 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. So a third thought that I want you to consider this morning is, you and I, in following the call of God, should anticipate God's clear direction. God made it abundantly clear. Now, I know what some of you are thinking already. Exactly! If God would give me a dream, then I would know what God wants me to do. All right, hold on for a second. Hold on for a second. That was the manner that God used to reveal his will to Paul, to make it clear. We we cannot deny that from the scriptures. I also want to point out to you that there are many other times when God uses other ways of directing people and showing them his will besides a vision. Many people think, well, if I could just have a vision or a dream, then I would know clearly what God's direction is. And I ask you this question, would you really? Or would you doubt the dream? Would you question your memory? Would you be unsure whether, in fact, that was God's direction? You see, we sometimes think, if God would lead me in some other way than he's leading me, it would be so much clearer. To the contrary, my friend. The problem is not with God's manner of leading. The problem is with your listening to his leading. So the Lord clearly directed Paul we see that God made it abundantly clear to him, and we'll look at this direction in just a moment. I want to assure you this morning, based on the authority of Scripture, that God, the living God, is able to be abundantly clear when expressing his direction for your life. When there is uncertainty about God's direction, there is always a reason for that uncertainty. There could be a couple of reasons. Let me point them out to you. One, I know this isn't easy to receive, but one is you just haven't been open to God's direction. He's been trying to make it clear to you. It's not that he is stuttering or that he's unclear. It's just that in your heart, you're saying, I don't want to do that. Lord, do you have some other plan? Do you have some other will? Do you have some other direction that I could go? That, this is perhaps one of the greatest reasons why people are perplexed about God's will. It's not so much that they're perplexed. It's that they're, they're just not wanting to do what they're sensing that God wants them to do. All right, but let's move past that to the second reason, which I think is also common. And that is that sometimes God's will is unclear because he has not yet revealed his will. Okay, look at the passage again. Notice with me. Paul is attempting to do the will of God. He is following what he believes to be God's will. But time and time again, God says, no, 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 no. But it is not until later that God says, okay, here is where you're going. Now, I was prompted to think about this last night as I was meditating on this passage. Was God capable of giving Paul this vision before he left Antioch? Of course he was. God could have given him this vision and this clarity of direction at any time. There is nothing that is a mistake in the way that God deals. God chose the time and the manner of revealing his will to Paul. So you say then, well, what was it all about then what Paul was doing all this time, which seems to not be the will of God? It seems like... Let me put it in American terms for you. It seems like he was wasting his time because we as Americans are the utmost for efficiency. We don't want to be wasting any time. So, Lord, hurry up and show me your will so I can get busy on that. I've got things to go. My, my time's limited, Lord. I got to get moving. Except, Do you think that God already knows what time you have? Do you think that he is in any sense moved by your pleading with him to hurry up? If God hasn't revealed his will, there is a reason. Now, I don't want to presume in this passage to know that reason for Paul and his missionary team. But I do know this. God had a reason. It wasn't as if Paul and his team were Carnal and not walking with God and not open to God's will and trying to do their own. No, that's not it at all. They were sensitive and seeking and, and trying and they wanted to do God's will, but God hadn't showed them that yet. Why? Here's one suggestion. And I believe this is borne out through the scriptures in many, many different lives. We are often concerned about the destination. And God is concerned with the journey. Because it's in the journey that much of our development as men and women of God takes place. We want to hurry up and get to the place we're going. But God is more concerned about the work he's doing in us on the way. I mean, Paul isn't perfect. The team of men that's with him isn't perfect. Again, I don't want to step too far in this because the Bible doesn't tell us what God was doing, but I do know this, God was doing something. It wasn't wasn't as if God had an afterthought. Oh, I totally forgot to share the vision with Paul. Oh, he's been trying to go to all these places and oh, wow, I totally forgot to tell him what was up. Of course not. God didn't make a mistake. God knew exactly what he was doing. Can I assure you of something else? God knows exactly what he is doing with you. You may be perplexed. You may be confused, but God is not confused. He has a purpose and he has a plan. And it could just be that in this time of waiting, he is trying to do something very particular inside of you. So what is this new direction? Well, in verse 9, it's clear. There's a man from Macedonia who appears. Since the time I was a kid, I've always wondered, how did he know it was a man from Macedonia? Did he have a name tag from Macedonia? I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But somehow he knew. Maybe it was how he was dressed. The language he was speaking. Maybe... Maybe it was someone that he knew that was from Macedonia. And when he saw him, he recognized immediately, this guy is from Macedonia. That's where God wants me to go. Macedonia is a region there in what we call today Europe. But it's obvious in the text that Paul knew this was a man of Macedonia. And this man came and he said to Paul, Come over into Macedonia and help us. Help us. There was a clear need for the gospel to be preached in Macedonia. I want you to ask the question this morning, where are the people who need spiritual help? Where are the people... ...who are seeking the truth of God and want someone to show them? Where are the people who are saying, come over and help us? Because that could have something to do with the will of God and the call of God. Now, not everyone who is in need is aware they have a need... ...or open to that need being addressed... In this case, God is leading Paul in a very particular direction. I was reminded of Matthew chapter 9, verses 36, 37, and 38, when the Scripture, speaking about Jesus, says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Could I ask you a question this morning? Is the harvest still plenteous? Amen. Is there still a need for laborers? Amen. Ought we to be praying for laborers to be sent into the harvest? Ought we to be talking to the Lord of the harvest about where we ought to go and where others ought to go. Lord, would you call people into the harvest? Are there people today who are fainting? Who are wandering about as spiritual sheep who have no shepherd, existing in a state of spiritual confusion because there is a famine for the truth. That is going on. Paul sensed that there was a place for him to labor. The clear direction of God was, Paul, I have a place for you. I have some people who are prepared to hear the message that you are going to share. And Paul was ready. He was ready to do the will of God. And that leads us to the fourth thought this morning. When God has made his direction clear... Obey immediately and passionately. Immediately and passionately. Look at verse 10. After he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia. Assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. I, I love that. It says there was no delay No processing time. Now, clearly, I want to point this out to you. Paul was already called, authorized, and sent. So this is not talking about a young man who decides, I'm 19 and called to preach. Send me right now. Okay, there may be some preparation that needs to take place. May need to be some training, some proving, some testing. Paul's passed all of that. He's to the place now where he is ready to go. And as soon as he knew God's will, he said, let's set sail, guys. Let's go. I know where God wants us. There's no sense waiting around here. Let's get moving doing what God wants us to do. I want to point something out which is significant to the text in verse number 10. Did you see... Where it says in verse 10, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, do you see that? It's the first time that is used in the book of Acts. What does that mean? It is at this point at Troas where Luke, the beloved physician, the human author That the Holy Spirit used to pen the words of the book of Acts. It is at this point and this time that Luke joins the missionary team. Luke is going to be a part of this team for the duration of Paul's ministry. He is going to be greatly used of God. Although the scripture doesn't explicitly spell out all the details of the things that he did. We know that Luke was a beloved and faithful co-laborer. So if you do the math. We have Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke now. There's going to be other co-laborers, fellow workers that are going to join the team along the way. But these four men are going to work together faithfully in the cause of the gospel. And now that they know God's will, they immediately obey. Why did they immediately obey? Because it says in verse 10... We were assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. And that phrase, assuredly gathering, is very interesting. And it has everything to do with what we're talking about this morning about the will of God. It's the idea of gathering up the loose ends. When, when, you, when you gather up these loose ends and you put them all together, and this is what it's communicating Okay, we had all of these things happening. We, had, we were trying to go to this place and that place and the other place. We were preaching. We were doing this. And then Paul got this vision. So we've got all these things. And it's like at that moment, they took all those things and they put them together and they said, this is clearly God's will. God's will is often like that. God uses a lot of different things in our life and then in a moment it's like everything comes together in your mind and you see oh I see what God has been doing I see what God has been up to now before that it was perhaps mysterious and unclear and you were uncertain and you didn't know for sure exactly what God was up to but then there's a moment where you see it all together from a a perspective and you see that's what God is doing And that's what it means when it says we were assuredly gathering. We put it all together. We we summed all the parts together and we said, this is God's will. They took the disappointments and the difficulties, the forbidding, the direction and the vision. All these things came together and suddenly they had a full assurance of what God wanted to do. Again, God could have given them this clarity earlier But make no mistake about it, God had a purpose and a plan in how He brought them to this place where they could assuredly gather that the Lord had called them to this place to preach the gospel. Because they were sure, verse 11, we came with a straight course to Samothracia. They didn't dilly dally, they didn't zigzag. They didn't say, you know, let's go back to Jerusalem and check in for a while first. They said, we know where God wants us to be. We're going. They went to Samothracia, the next day to Neapolis, and then by land they went to Philippi, verse 12, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. They didn't know for sure that God wanted them in Philippi, but it made sense, right? Come to Macedonia the capital of Macedonia, we might as well go there first and see what's going on. Maybe that's where God wants us to be. The text indicates they moved with haste. Once they knew the will of God, they were prepared to follow it, and they went right away to the work that God had called them to do. This is an important key for all of us during times of waiting. Be careful when you're waiting. Don't encumber yourself with things that will prevent you from obeying God when He reveals the details of His will. Remember that we're all just passing through. Remember that God has a direction and a will for each and every one of us. And when God reveals that will, be determined to obey it immediately and passionately. Now, the move to Philippi would mark an important new stage in Paul's ministry a stage that would have an impact on the development of world civilization and ultimately on you and I. Praise God for this man's willingness to follow God's direction. My question for you this morning, though, as we've been talking about the will of God, is this. What does God want to do with you? Are you open to his will? Are you being faithful now? In his known will, the things that you know God wants you to do? Are you praying even this morning for him to lead you to those who are needing help? The help of the gospel? What does God want you to do as a result of what you have heard today?